0: a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The scribes who had come down from Jerusalem were saying Beelzebub is in him and it is through the prince of devils that he casts devils out. So Jesus called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot last. And if a household is divided against itself, that household can never stand. Now, if Satan has rebelled against himself and is divided, he cannot stand either. It is the end of him. But no one can make his way into a strong man's house and burgle his property unless he has tied up the strong man first. Only then can he burgle his house. I tell you solemnly, all men's sins will be forgiven and all their blasphemies. But let anyone blaspheme. Against the Holy Spirit, and he will never have forgiveness. He is guilty of an eternal sin. This was because they were saying, "An unclean spirit is in him." The Gospel of the Lord. In the second cycle of the churches liturgical calendar we're reading from the gospel according to Saint Mark. And Saint Mark runs very quickly through the life, through the ministry of our Lord. And we've just been reading from the third chapter. The two verses before the passage we just heard tell us that when Jesus went home, such a crowd collected it was impossible for them to eat. And then when his relatives heard of this, they set out to take charge of him because they convinced he was out of his mind. And then Saint Mark continues when the scribes came up from Jerusalem, they said that Jesus was possessed. So there are two accusations against the Lord. Because of what he was saying and because of what he was doing his wisdom baffled them and those who were of weak intellect thought that he was mad none of this makes sense those who have understood what he said but did not believe in him and so were not weak in intellect but malicious evil hearted they were saying that he was possessed by an evil spirit and not even that they said in particular he was possessed by Beelzebub and Beelzebub was the god of Ekron he was particularly known as a a very dirty god, in fact his other name was Lord of Flies and the flies were the consequence of the blood sacrifices that were offered in his temple. So as you can imagine, were, wherever there is blood, there were flies. And um, his temple was not a very pleasant place to be. And then on top of this, they didn't accuse our Lord of being just an ordinary magician. They didn't accuse him of being one of the lower orders of, of um, sorcerers. But they accuse him of being in league with the prince of devils. It's through the prince of devils that he casts devils out. So we have these two accusations, that our Lord is mad or he's possessed. Of course, if neither of these are true, then we have to take him at his word and believe that he is who he says he is. Those two accusations, which were leveled against the Lord, the head of the church, are also leveled against his body. And so the church is often accused of not understanding the age in which it lives. Not only this age, but right through its history, it's been accused of not being up to date. It's been charged, it's been uh, argued that the church should marry the spirit of the age. But this church has seen the demise of every spirit of every age so far. Whether it be the Roman Empire, or the age of the barbarians, or the age of the crusades, or the age of the national states, or the age of princes, or the age of despots, it doesn't matter. The church has still survived, all of them. And because Christ has given her a promise that the gates of hell will never prevail, the church will survive even this present age in which we live. So the church and of course with it is visible head is accused of not being up to date, being mad of teaching doctrines that are unpalatable, unacceptable, ancient, medieval and so on. The church also as we know has been called devilish. We know that the Pope has been accused of, of being the beast the Antichrist. So, we do not fear because the same accusations were, were, were um, directed against our Lord, the same necessarily would be against his body, the church. If they have treated the master of the house like this, how will they treat the servants, members of his household? It's as simple as this. So, the, co- the, the, um, the accusations and the, the um, insults level against us gives us reason to rejoice because we know that we are only experiencing what Christ himself experienced. So then the, lo- the Lord is accused of casting our devils through the prince of devils. So our Lord answers them. Now notice what he does. Those who think he's mad he doesn't answer because as I said, he knows that their understanding is limited but those who do understand but are malicious, he answers and answers very clearly. He called them to him and spoke to them saying, how can Satan cast out Satan? which is a valid question, how is it possible? and then he takes what is common experience if a kingdom is divided against itself, it cannot last because there is revolution and civil war and disturbance and invariably the kingdom will collapse. You see that happened time and time again whether it be at the English at the time of Cromwell when the the, the commons rose up against the king. There was civil war and ended in a tyranny or whether it be the French Revolution the same thing happened. The estates rose up against the king and there was a tyranny and much blood was shed just as in the case of the English. Or whether it be the Russian Revolution again the, the Duma rose up against the, the, the Tsar and the result was a tyranny communism for, for, for these seven, 70 odd years. So this is what happens when a kingdom is divided. It cannot last. And the Lord again says, if a household is divided, it cannot stand. And we know this because even in, a, in any family, once there is division, the family breaks up. So unity is essential for any kind of continuity. So then the Lord says, if Satan then is divided against himself. If devils can cast out devils, then that's the end of hell. They finished. They're done for. So then he has answered them from their logic. Notice that he uns- he uses logic to answer them because they are able to understand, and they cannot their malice cannot penetrate what is common experience. So then he says, if that is so, then No one can make his way to a strong man's house and burgle his property unless he has tied up the strong man first. Only then he can burgle the property. How does this apply to what our Lord is doing? Well, the strong man is the devil. His weapons are sin. The property he has taken by force are all the children of Adam, all of us. And so he is strong, we are unable to escape from his clutches. The Lord comes, and he begins by freeing individuals from the power of the devil. He casts them out. The scribes admit that much. It's through the prince of devils, He casts our devils. They admit he's casting our devils. So then, if the Lord is doing this, if He indeed is casting our devils, then He must have tied up the strong man. And so he's burgling his property inasmuch as he's freeing us from the power of Satan. And so having answered their their objection, having shown them what is actually happening, he now gives them the warning that if they continue, if they persevere in their evil-mindedness, in their malicious minds, then what will happen? I tell you solemnly, All sins will be forgiven. All blasphemies will be forgiven. In other words, because Christ has tied up the strong man, he's able to forgive every sin. He's able to free all those, no matter what their offense, from the power of Satan. But he continues But let anyone blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, he will never have forgiveness. He is guilty of an eternal sin. Well, why is this? Because the Holy Spirit is the means by which Christ exercises His power in this world. To blaspheme the Holy Spirit means essentially to deny the Holy Spirit um, access to our souls. It means that we want to continue to be enslaved by Satan. And one of the ways in which we um, blaspheme against the Holy Spirit is to resist the known truth, which is what the scribes were doing. They knew the truth. They knew that Christ was, in fact, casting our devils. But they refused to acknowledge that he did so through the Holy Spirit. And they attributed it to the evil power. And the same is happening today, when we take for example, when we speak about the miracles the saints have performed. I'm sure you've heard, oh yes, but they do it through the power of Satan. Or when we speak about the, the various miracles in the church, immediately attributed to Satan because they say the church is that of Satan. But that is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit if they know the truth. And of course, if they were Catholics or ex-Catholics who say so, then most certainly they are in, in grave danger of eternal damnation. It is not that Christ cannot forgive the sin, it is not that the Holy Spirit is unable to, but rather the sinner is unwilling. The sinner does not want to receive forgiveness. That is the problem. We need to remember also that even our desire to repent is not ours. It's rather the promptings of grace. It is God who moves us to want to repent. It is God who moves us to want to confess. It's not something that we can do on our own. And there are many people who prefer to remain comfortable in their sins. So they deny that they're sinners or what they do in the sins. This is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Let us then ask our Blessed Lady who is the comfort of the afflicted, who is the help of sinners to obtain for us always to have a sincere desire to know the truth and for us to maintain our faithfulness to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit.